0: Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight, and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. And this is the third in our series where I'm joined by recruitment business leaders to talk about successful adaptation in these challenging times. I'm very pleased today to be joined by Sachin Ruparelia. Sachin, you and I have known each other a long time and Sachin is the chief executive of Camino Partners. Sachin, perhaps you could help our audience by just talking briefly through your history in recruitment and Give us some context around what Camino Partners does.
2: Thank you so much for the invite. I'm honoured to be asked. So a brief plotted history. I fell into recruitment like a lot of other people do. Went into my local reed branch. Uh, looking for a temp job. And a week later, I started running a temp desk there. I was there for a, a period before working with a company called Coil Personnel, and then joined my ex-business partner at a business called Balanced People up until 2010. Uh, went on elsewhere for a year before coming together with Alan McBride, who was my ex-business partner in 2012, and also an ex-colleague, Matt Newman. And we set up Camino Partners. the The focal point for us was establishing what we believe to be a real niche in the market. We started by placing purely finance professionals into recruitment companies. So very much of an inch wide, mile deep uh, philosophy in the way that we've operated. We expanded our remit fairly quickly after that to cover all of the other non-sales roles uh, for the sector. So operations, marketing, L&D, compliance, anything non-fee earning uh, for the recruitment sector. And eight nine years on now, we I suppose we're positioned as the go to recruiting business for all your non fee earning hires. About two years ago, we we also set up a couple of other businesses or divisions within the group, soon to be rebranded Camino Search, which places finance professionals into high growth tech and tech enabled businesses, as well as the Cavanna Search brand, which is a US Recarm. So, we
1: don't do rec to rec in the
2: UK, but in the US we have this growing rec to rec provision.
1: So, your primary geographical markets then are the UK and then the US, is that right? Anywhere else?
2: Correct. Um, largely at the UK for the Camino
1: partners and Camino search
2: brands, and then the Cavana search is US centric. Largely East Coast, but we, we also have
1: clients. Across states in the West Coast and in places like Texas as well. Okay, great. And so, for the benefit of our listeners, how many heads are you in Camino Partners in altogether now? So, following the pandemic, we've shrunk substantially. So we're down to about twelve, having peaked at twenty-seven. Uh, so sort of this time last year. Okay, thanks. That brings me very neatly into my first question, because one of the things that this series has really thrown up is how very differently the pandemic has affected businesses within recruitment. So um, I work with lots of businesses who place key workers and they have had their best ever year. It's been a period of extraordinary growth. I've had others who aren't in the key worker market and actually have, again, achieved their best every year. And in some cases, and this is a reflection on the sector rather than the recruiter, in some cases, they've really changed their market, their product offering and their processes. And it's been more about survival. So how would you characterize how your market has been affected Sachin? It's interesting. I think, I
2: suppose, doing different roles, you and I, our client base is the same uh, in that we both service largely. You know, our our Camino Partners brand services the recruitment sector. I know that we've often been referred to as a bit of a barometer of the economy because uh, you know we get a bit of a flavour of how those sectors within recruitment are are, um, bearing through boom times as well as turbulent times. So there was a real uh, polarisation in in terms of, like you've alluded to, your reaction to the pandemic. And I'd say that, like you've suggested, our Client base, those that were internationally spread and servicing Europe and the US were less affected, particularly those that cover energy and specifically clean energy, tech and pharma, life sciences. So those are the three key areas I would say have done very well and in line with what you've suggested um pockets of healthcare, those that are uh, focused on frontline staff, absolutely, again, has fared well.
1: Okay. I've had a lot of conversations with recruitment business owners who have had very UK-centric businesses, and it looks like Central Europe is now a fairly well-supplied market compared to how how it has been. Is it in your experience that lots of recruitment businesses are now looking to the US, or is that just one of a, a variety of geographies they're looking at?
2: Definitely. I'd say that you, the US seems to be at the forefront of a, of a lot of recruitment business owners' minds. Some of them have, uh, have extended their provision to Europe. And as you and I know, it's it's easy to, or easier to service the European markets from the UK than when we start talking about West Coast recruitment in, in the US. It becomes a little bit more complicated. I mean, every state in the US has different tax laws, etc, employment laws, and so it can be quite challenging. But as a market, it's definitely very much right for the UK recruitment market uh, to go over there. I heard an interesting fact, that there's a similar number of recruitment businesses here and there, and yet the US market is four times the size by way of turnover as the UK recruitment market. I don't know how accurate that is, but it's quite heard.
1: And it's a few years since I worked out in the US, but it's surprisingly local as a market, probably because you've got different state laws, but also there's never been a sort of uh, genuinely national media in the US in the way that there has been in the UK. So it is surprising how if there's no market on the East Coast. There can be one in the Midwest, for example. So, Sachin, I know that it's part of your commitment not just to take out of the recruitment industry. But also to put back. So, I've, from, oh gosh, more than 20 years, have worked with the REC as their chief examiner and as a business mentor. And I know that you've contributed also via APSCO. Isn't that right, Sachin?
2: I have indeed, yes. I suppose it's a fairly recent appointment, I'd say it was six months or so, but I'm on the um, exec committee. I suppose, as a business, Camino Partners, our mission statement is improving the recruitment sector. Uh, the people perception and performance of the recruitment sector specifically. And I thought definitely my way of giving back by putting my hat in the ring to help from the inside, so to speak, with you know, one of the key sort of governing bodies within or trade associations, as I say, within the recruitment sector.
1: I absolutely agree. And I felt that for a long time, but I think we're in a, a situation now where there is probably more openness and collaboration between recruitment businesses than I have ever seen before, which I think is a really positive thing, isn't it? And the fact that you're willing to talk about your own business here is an example of that. Now, what I'd like to do is just like circling back is to focus in on the internal workings, if you like, of Camino Partners and understand from the beginning of this pandemic, basically what changes you have made to your business those could be macro level or they could be sort of minor process issues or staffing and if you can give us an idea of what you feel has really worked and if there are things that you've tried that didn't really have an impact or didn't work for you or your people that would also be really helpful to know about? We were reasonably prudent in our assessment of what might happen. I mean, no one really knew
2: how badly hit the economy would be and how bad the pandemic would be for business. But we we adapted fairly early on and having, I suppose, a a bit of, I see in your other podcasts, you were heard in your other podcasts, you talked about crisis plans. And I think we had put into place some measures assuming worst case scenarios around what might happen that the pandemic affects our business too much and sadly we we were hit very very hard pretty much lost most of our pipeline overnight within the camino partners brand and so we had to very quickly adapt and sadly had to look at headcount and we were unable to support given that you know that coupling with uh, having to work remotely unable to support some of the more junior members of our, our business and as a result became a bit leaner as I alluded to earlier by both things that have worked and haven't worked i think I, I was laughing to myself or smiling to myself yesterday when i when i was preparing for this and we had a lot of video calls initially and i think both you know from a work perspective it takes a little bit of time adjusting to how many is the right number and how long they should be and i found that short sharp meetings are definitely more powerful than having long meetings and lots of people in them because like people just switch off that's been definitely a, a sort of evolution for us
1: just give us an idea what are your regular meetings that now take place within Camino
2: and we have a, a weekly sort of sales meeting with the senior management team. I have a one-to-one with my ops director and then sort of daily catch-ups with the sort of the key leaders and my direct reports. So those are the main ones. We have a, a monthly operations meeting and a quarterly board meeting, all currently sort of based on quarter by quarter. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't go back to saying what I was saying earlier, but I was, um, I was smiling to myself because we ended up doing a lot of socials over Zoom. And I think, a lot of people, both socially as well as business wise, got had enough of doing quizzes and the like. So I think we got to a stage where, you know, that became very boring very quickly. So it ended up just being largely business focused for us by way of the video interactions we'd have. But I think it's just as I said, short, sharp, fewer people involved in those Zoom calls, the better for us. We
1: found more impactful. Right. That's interesting. Now, I know one discussion that a lot of people have had with themselves and to some extent with their staff in recruitment, and that is about just how much it's reasonable and productive to monitor the work of your team during the pandemic. And, you know, the responses I've heard vary from people who've actually experimented with (laughs) <laughs> what they referred to as Snoop software, <laughs> right through to those people who realized when they started to look closely that the KPIs they had were not a reliable predictor of success in their business. So do you have any thoughts on that, the amount of monitoring that is reasonable to do for you guys
2: I do actually. It's a really again, it's been a bit of a journey that we've gone on with regards to KPIs. I mean, I have to say never we've never looked thought about anything as draconian as a snoop software and I wanna judge those that, that do, but I think for us we quickly realised that there were people that could work well from home and those that couldn't. And you just establish that through you know, through conversations and, you know, understanding where people's priorities are and how you know how hard people are uh, perceived to be working, I think, you know, can be seen through the results that they produce. Not to also add in that it's been a really tough market for a lot of people. So, you know, it's not necessary that that all the inputs would lead to the traditional outputs you might expect working remotely. But I think the big thing for me is around the trust side of things. So it's a bit of a balance, you know, you get to know those who work well. And naturally, those are the ones that end up staying in your business longer term. And, you know, dependent on level of experience of the recruiter, I think we had some more junior recruiters. And actually, interestingly, there was a couple of junior recruiters that we were working uh, the work that are still, you know, within our business, one of whom, we furloughed and, and brought back, but just purely because the market wouldn't warrant us allow keeping them, you know, during that that really tough time. The adaption to working from home, I think was really challenging for a lot of people, especially those uh, that live by themselves and, you know, naturally all the mental health issues that, that can arise from, you know, just seeing the four walls of your apartment, of your room day in, day out. So it was a pretty challenging period for a lot of people. But sort of long story short, I think we got to a place where we understood which of our colleagues could work well uh, remotely. And a big thing for us was the trust side of things. I think. A big thing for me is the ability to switch off. I found myself, you know, working some very, very long hours as you'd expect us to and need to during difficult times like this. But I also was a little bit nervous. I was getting sort of emails from colleagues at all times in the, uh, in the evening and, you know, sometimes early morning. And yeah, I think people just probably had struggled a bit with the lines between when one should be working, one shouldn't. But I think it also gave people that degree of autonomy to, to work well in their own manner, uh, but getting the results.
1: Well, do you know, here's an interesting thought. The recruitment industry has always been one in which people worked way outside what they, what it said on their contract, in my experience at least. Now, when the furlough measures came in and people couldn't work, it set up a completely new dynamic where in some instances recruiters became and I have to say, it's those people who were less established in the sector. But when they came back full time, a few a few of the people I know mentioned that their staff had said, well, I'm switching off now. It's 5.30, even if there are jobs around. And that was not something we'd ever dealt with before. And, and talking to someone I know well just before Christmas, he was going to take three weeks off over Christmas. This was not a business owner, but someone... You know, been in the industry for about 20 years. And he used a phrase that really stuck in my head. He said, I'll admit it. I will look at my email from time to time. And I was really struck by this because while I I completely agree with you, it's important to switch off. The idea of somebody being embarrassed that they were going to check their emails from time to time over three weeks really was, you know, that's quite a turnaround, isn't it? Have you observed anything like that? Do you think that's, these are odd examples or, or non-typical? Um, that's really interesting. That it's quite
2: surprising. I don't think there should be any shame in checking one's emails. And I suppose it, it does depend on your sort of level of commitment to your role. And I don't want to be the you know, judge anybody, but I think most of our team, uh, and there is a variety of sort of responses to you know, looking at Uh, your emails while you're off and whatever else but i think there's got to be a balance of course you know especially when you're trying to relax or on a family holiday or whatever else there should be a balance of how you manage that but no by way of trends i've not noticed anything out of the ordinary i think our team we're fortunate that the people in our business have been some you know that you'll you know you you message them when you might be doing some catch-up work on the weekend they'll message you straight away and you know the ones that may respond on monday morning first thing and, and I, I don't judge either way. I think if it's critical and if we dealt with ASAP, then you know, you'd expect them to respond whenever, depending on who they are and their positioning in the business. But um, if it's not urgent and important, then it can wait. I think it's just using that intuition and you know, sort of intelligence and common sense, really, as to when you should react to things like that.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that most business leaders have learned, sometimes for the first time, is a lot. They've had to learn a lot about the personal circumstances of their Employees, yeah. So everybody with you know child differing childcare responsibilities, how much they share them with their partner, what their their homes look like, and what kind of work setup they've got. All of these things have, I think, required successful business leaders to treat people in a very individual way, and that presents its own challenges. Then sometimes, doesn't it, in terms of Explaining the fairness of that to the whole team. Anyway, back to Camino Partners. In terms of your business products, services, processes, marketing, is there anything else that you can identify you changed? during lockdown or rather since the pandemic started? Yes, I think
2: one thing we, we made sure that we, we wanted to retain and a lot of others turned it off was the marketing side of things. So I think, you know, just because of headcount, you know, we weren't able to maintain the same levels of outgoing communications with the outside world. But I think big big focus, you know, we, we still we still communicated through a variety of means and marketing channels with our clients and candidates. To be honest with you, I, I think personally I, I did I took the personal touch by just making sure people are okay you know clients that uh, were some of our uh, clients have been very loyal to us from inception you know we set up in 2012 and to see some of these business owners and that have worked so hard to create some fantastic businesses and just go overnight or you know over the course of a few weeks or months everything be obliterated I think it's really quite sad so I just used the opportunity to keep in touch with people find out how things were going offered a lot of ad hoc advice and just sort of advisory stuff when it comes to sort of salary benchmarking or giving views on the market and, and whatever else so I helped wherever I could again as part of my giving back you know to businesses that were ne- not necessarily hiring uh, I suppose with a long-term commercial view that you know you, you look after people now and they'll remember you in the future
1: I think that's an important point for people who are less experienced in the industry as well is that Whereas it might have been appropriate to, oh, I don't know, measure jobs registered or number of CVs sent, now it's much more about how much engagement you've got, whether you can get referrals to build your relationship when there's no hard outcomes, sometimes from those calls, I think, yeah? You changed the way you manage people. You changed how you spent your time. And you mentioned the importance of continuing to invest in marketing. I heard a lovely phrase, let me get this right trying to save money by stopping your marketing is a bit like trying to save time by switching off your clock. And I thought, wow, that really says it all about marketing in the 21st century. 100%. Yeah, I'm
2: so totally agree with that. Yeah, it's a great, great expression. I have to pinch that one.
1: (laughs) You've continued to, you know, obviously a slightly reduced level, but maintaining your brand, maintaining some output there have you done anything new in marketing
2: not particularly different we've always had a, a what I view to be a, a strong online presence and in terms of content production and social media the you know, levels of interaction uh, with our audiences has been pretty high it would have dropped off for sure over the, the pandemic or you know, the lockdown first lockdown and, and we're picking that up again but now I wouldn't say we've done anything overly innovative or different I think the big thing was you know just moving that marketing piece to much more of a a personal touch and feeling that you know leaving your clients and candidates fear you know feeling that you're you're out to help them rather than just to make money it's it was a i think that was that was our focus and it was as simple as it is i think it was really impactful and I think people were very grateful even if you put in a call to to say just how are things going and are you okay i think people really appreciated that both clients and then you know the other side on the candidate side of things i think you know some of our candidates as well there was so many candidates that have been sadly affected by you know, being made redundant or being furloughed and with, yeah, you know, risk of redundancy. And I think you know, for me, it's very saddening to see how you know, the sort of volumes of people that were affected and. A lot of b- recruitment business owners cut fast and deep, and unfortunately, that that affected a lot of our sort of candidate communities. and uh, And as a result, we um, you know, we we do our best, have done our best to support them. Again, whether it's things like you know advice on CVs or interviewing or you know having a chat with them, make sure they're okay. You know, we did our best to support our candidates through uh, the pandemic as well. Which again, I think was part of our view of giving back.
1: Okay, thank you. You had obviously a fairly significant business event during the pandemic. To wit, Sachin effectively led a management buyout of the business. And I'd like to talk to you about that and then flip back, if I may, to leadership and the future of the industry. There will be lots of our listeners who've never been involved in anything like this, Sachin. So perhaps you could briefly talk us through what we mean by an MBO, what made you decide to do it now and what you want to do with the business in the future.
2: If I just give you the, the mention of the history earlier, but we up in 2012 as myself, my partner, my current partner, Matt Newman, uh, whom I work with at Balanced People and Alan McBride, who, who was our boss at Balanced People. And we set up as equal shareholders in 2012. A few years in, it was always Alan's view that he was going to be less and less involved day to day and got to a stage where he was our chairman and probably involved once or twice uh, a month. I was speaking to him very infrequently. Alan, by the way, is is bizarre. is someone that I kind of called on social media, my recruitment dad, someone I hold in very high esteem. You know, I learned a lot Almost all of what I know from recruitment in the recruitment world from him. But we got to a stage where he was less and less involved. Matt and I were were really um, driving force behind the business, and Alan, as a you know, at that point, a minority shareholder. Gradually through the years, as his involvement diminished, so did his shareholding. We bought gradual tranches of shares from him as he became less and less involved. And we got to a place where he owned a, a minority shareholding, but still it was substantial enough to sort of have a, a fair bit of input and uh, sort of sway over things. So we got to a place where, interestingly, two days before the lockdown, or lockdown one was announced, we were about to sign a deal to buy out his shareholding as the MBO. So, you know, the management buyout and buy out his portion of shares. And literally uh, on the 11th hour, we pulled that deal and uh, through some really good advice from. A business mentor that I have, and that uh, suggested that we we pull the plug. So we did that, and w- with a view that we'd always come back to it. Now, I have to say that the, um, the pandemic—and if you forgive the, uh, the monologue for a second—but the pandemic, as it hit, it was a real opportunity for me to introspectively reflect on who I am, where I'm at, where the business, is at. and you know, personally, and from a, a business standpoint. I and mean, it was a real interesting time for me. And as horrible as, it was, as what was going on out there. For me, it was a, a really great chance to look at things. And I think I came to the realization that I'd become very, very hands-off. We were only 27 people at peak, but I was became detached from things that really mattered. And I, I used the period and almost forcefully of made hands-on again and back at the coalface recruiting again. I have to say that it was it was fantastic for me because it brought me much, much closer to the business. So that period was Challenging, almost akin to startup days. It was fantastic working all the hours under the sun, but really. You know, enjoying what I was doing. We'd obviously had been very prudent with our cash management through uh, the pandemic uh, comfortably, but naturally we wanted to make sure we could maximize any opportunity uh, through that period. So it was really about the fact that we had the other two divisions that we launched uh, a couple of years ago that, that somewhat insulated the core Camino Partners brand, which was uh, you know, in hindsight a fantastic move, but lucky. And so it was a, a business emerged, we emerged from this in sort of September, October time as a real different sort of shape and size business. And from my standpoint, I think without Alan not being involved anymore, um, really, it felt like it was, and I I started pitching internally before the MBO as Camino 2.0. So, you know, we we went through a whole systems migration, our CMRM, we changed. We did, uh, you asked about marketing before, we did hire an excellent sort of part-time CMO called uh, Glenn Southam, who has been supporting our efforts. Uh, We went through a brand refresh, two new brand launches, all of which you'll, you'll see very, very soon in the public domain and alongside that three new websites. So we really were emerging as a very different looking business uh, to the one that Matt Allen and I set up. So Matt and I had the chat with our uh, non-exec and soon, uh, soon after the MBO appointed chairman, Brad, and we ultimately decided that we would push the deal and uh, had a a chat with Alan and you know, came to an agreement and amicably he he exited with Matt and I taking you know, the vast majority of the shareholding.
1: So this was in plan before the pandemic, mm. but in fact, it, you had this opportunity to clarify what you wanted from it, I guess. And going forward then, what do you see as the future, good or bad, for the bit of the recruitment industry that you work in at the moment?
2: Good question. I'd like to think the future, the outlook is is good. We were cyclically due a recession, which was naturally massively catalysed and exacerbated by the pandemic. So I hope that will be out of the way now, and and I think the future is looking very bright for both Camino and you know, the recruitment sector overall. I think just taking the divisions in turn, U.S. Recom I think will definitely flourish. There isn't a, a true leader out there, so there's a big opportunity there for us. And in line with your earlier comments around lots of recruitment companies from here moving over to the US, that was, a, you know, I think, that represents a big opportunity for that brand, Cavana Search, to to grow over the next year or two. Camino Partners brand, we mentioned about people cutting deep and fast in terms of those non-sales roles as their bins, businesses bounce back, they will need to bring in new people to cover those support functions, some of the critical areas like learning and development and marketing, uh, we talked about a fair bit. I'm confident that those areas will bounce back. Finance has remained somewhat resilient. So finance into the recruitment space has been, been a good area for us anyway, people looking at cash management and cash flow forecasting and budgeting and the like through the period. So that's been Fairly stable, but I think that will pick up as well. Fortunately, for some businesses, finance professionals might show their true colours through times of turbulence more than they might do when uh, you know things are good. But that cash management piece is extremely important. And then um, I suppose finally the the Camino search brand, so placing into tech and tech-enabled businesses. That really, for me, is, is a real growth area for us. We're, we're trying to capture the future sort of Ubers and ASOSes of the world. You know those that are you know in fintech and uh, normally businesses that have. Uh, pre-funding or going through some sort of venture capital or P transaction, series A, series B transaction uh, or fundraising we're looking at. So we help businesses grow, we normally hire their first senior finance person and then the, the team as the business scales. So I think the future in the markets we've chosen, I think all have a bright outlook over the forthcoming you know, couple of years. So I'm personally very, very bullish and uh, buoyant about what that holds for us.
1: Okay. So, you think that demand, for, particularly for the non-sales people in the recruitment industry, will step back up. What about candidates, though, Sachin? I mean, I'm aware that the recruitment industry is perhaps a less stable environment for these people than, than some others. How well do you think we treat non-sales or back office, to use another phrase, staff as an industry? Uh,
2: I try not use expletives but i'm saddened to see how some of the non-sales people in the sector are treated and when the pandemic hit uh, there's definitely a variety of responses to it you know some retained their their key non-sales people but look you know i understand if business has been hit professional services um, and recruitment businesses were hit very hard during the pandemic, like uh, our markets were hit very, very hard. So they have to make tough decisions. But I would say uh, I was disappointed at the the reaction of some recruiting businesses in how fast they cut some key people out of their business. I know some sizable businesses that lost the the bulk of their marketing function, all of their marketing functions and learning development functions. And for me, those two are you know, I might be slightly biased in saying this, but absolutely critical parts of one's business. So for me, it was sad to see that, that reaction. So, you know, in answer to your question, I think there is a polarization in the way they're treated. Some hold them using our new brand branding. and I hope my OPS director doesn't tell me off for of this, but we're sort of celebrating the unsung heroes in recruitment in those you know, non-sales hires that you're referring to. I think we are doing what we can to Uh, raise their, their positioning in their, in business, a lot of them were cut very quickly. And sadly, I'm actually glad you brought this up because it's something that's close to my heart. Uh, Sadly, a lot of them have moved on to other sectors, you know, with the recruitment sector, not hiring as much. These people that have been in in recruitment for a number of years, and we, and I, I fear for our industry in that when things bounce back, we're going to be left without some very very experienced heads within some of these key non-sales areas, and that that does absolutely worry me when we're looking to redeploy people uh, into the sector when times are, are better.
1: Well, the recruitment industry has always been one that has a very very close eye on income and profit, isn't it? And I can think of examples where non-sales staff have perhaps allowed themselves to move away from that view. So you mentioned learning and development earlier, and there is no one, I defy anyone to be a bigger fan of genuine business-led learning and development than me. Mm. But it's really important that learning and development interventions, for example, are actually linked to the bottom line rather than here's an interesting model or you know something that is entertaining and makes me look good, I think you know if as the industry becomes more and more mature, I do know a lot of business leaders who get it that compliance, for example, is not just a oh god do I have to a cost centre but actually a means of winning business now. And I think we'll see things like that come way up the agenda. Okay, last real question then, Sachin, before we close, is about leadership in the recruitment sector during all of this. You've obviously decided to grab the bull by the horns with your business partner and and take this business off in in new directions, which is great. What do you think is required from recruitment business? I'm putting you on the spot now. (laughs) From recruitment business leaders, given that during 2020, a lot of them will have felt that they've been, how can I put this, sucked dry in terms of supporting their teams and their clients and their candidate communities. Have you got any helpful advice, anything that's worked for you or what you think is most important for the leaders?
2: I think that's a a really challenging question, but I'll certainly do my best. I think this period, businesses that would have emerged from the pandemic in, in some sort of business sort of fit shape. I think we'll survive anything. I think that I really hope and I, I believe that the worst is over. And I think that I think that there will be a necessity to continue supporting people internally, your recruiters and your non sales people day in, day out. And you know, however long we're, we're in this lockdown for uh, just providing that emotional support, which I think, you know, is, is a big thing, but you know, there are going to be other forms of support that are needed i think there's going to be a balance i think you know if people have got a track record of of performing for you and are doing have been doing a good job historically and and you know i think this has just hit them for six for whatever reason the inputs are there and which you know should be fairly easy to monitor and measure then i think you absolutely you should stick with them as long as as long as possible because you help them in a period like this they'll remember you forever you have their loyalty forever so I think just being there for those that have been there for you in the past, I think, you know, we've got to be commercial. Of course, we all, you know, those that run businesses, there's only limited amounts of loss-making months that one can put up with. But if you can't keep people, they're just being really clear and open and honest with your communication and, you know, having those conversations as early on as possible, managing it honest uh, sort of expectations of you know, one's future, their, their team and their future in the business, and just being transparent about things. Just that's one thing that I pride myself self on having you know with, with, the, with the team that we've got just really open about almost everything that I, I can be and, and I think that that's definitely going to pay dividends in the future.
1: Great thank you so much Sachin for sharing your thoughts on that I couldn't agree with you more about the need to be open and honest and sometimes just to say you I don't know to your team really critical. For anyone who may be looking to recruit that is business support personnel in recruitment. How should they contact you, Sachin? Uh, LinkedIn is fine.
2: Email address, I'm sure you'll be able to share. Or I've got a, a direct line as well, which again, like you have that you could you could transfer to anyone that was uh, interested, but you can absolutely find me on LinkedIn and
1: connect. Okay, so that's Sachin Ruparelia at Camino Partners. And for anybody who'd like to talk to me, Alison Humphreys, about how I can support you in making 2021 your best year ever, in all sorts of sectors please get in contact that's alison a-l-i-s-o-n at recruitmentleadership.co.uk Sachin thank you very much for joining me this has been the Recruitment Leadership Podcast
0: you've been listening to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast if you enjoyed our podcast please subscribe review and share so that others can find the podcast too we really appreciate your support If you have any questions about the topics covered, or wish to find out more about Recruitment Leadership, please email alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk, referencing the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn, where you can follow Recruitment Leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership podcast.